Welcome to Gardening Talk back on to you are FM. Greg Richard here, joined by Scott Sharp in the studio once again. How you been, Scott? Very, very well. Big news today. Big news. news. Yes. Newcastle's best garden competition. Yes. Announcing the finalists. The finalists, right. Yeah. Not the winners, not the winners, but the finalists. So those people can get very excited. I thought nominations closed today. I I believe the entry sort of closed last week and finalists announced today and then the winners next week. Right, so that's some big news. Yes. Big news to start the show off. What else you got planned for us today, Scott? We can talk about zucchinis as well, a very tasty little vegetable, I guess. Mm. Well, yes, a vegetable. Courgette and, uh, they're known as, aren't they? Otherwise known as courgettes? Yes, that's correct. Yeah, I always think it's uh, some sort of car from France that's when I hear that. <laughs> And, and how to grow sweet corn. Excellent. Of course, you've got any other questions for Scott Sharp, you can give us a call on 49216216. And we've got David from Hinton, and he's got a question about lavender. Good afternoon, David. How can we help you with your lavender? Hi, Scott. Um, it was really nice and green and very aromatic, and then it just seems to have gone all woody. Can you prune it back, or what's the go with it? Yes, you can prune lavender back, but the the important thing to do is not to wait till it's gone woody like yours sounds like it has. Uh, What what you really need to be doing with lavender is pruning it small amounts and often to keep it nice and fresh. So in my experience with lavender, if you let it go hard and woody like that and then you give it the big chop-chop, uh, it just won't come back. Uh, it, it just doesn't reshoot from that old hard wood for some reason. It it really likes that nice tender sort of, uh, you know, uh, growing growing material to to reshoot from. So uh, often with lavender, I, I think if it has gone hard and woody like that, time to uh, you know pull it out and, and start again uh, because they are very quick growing. So you don't have any problems getting it up and running nice and quick. Uh, so yeah, look, give it a try, see how you go, but, uh, you can just prune it back a little bit and see if it, it comes good for you, but definitely a hard prune with lavender, uh, not a happy plant to do that with. Okay. It looks like it's, um, ready for the chop then and we'll get some fresh stuff. Good stuff. Okay. <laughs> Hope it's, it's uh, nice and smelly for you as well. Thank you. Okay. Good on you, David. Thank you. Bye-bye. We've got Bill now from Maitland and he is growing... Apple cucumbers, and he wants to know if he should put them onto a trellis or just leave them on the ground. Good afternoon, Bill. How can we help you? Yeah, um, um, look, I've, my lovely wife, uh, in order to keep me out of trouble, has uh, has had uh, constructed uh, three two meter by one meter thigh height uh, garden beds, um, which uh, we're going to grow vegetables in and and uh, herbs and things and. Uh, I, I love uh, uh, apple cucumbers, and I, I, I'm not sure whether it's better to just leave them as they as they grow on the, that level, or try and chase them up a, a trellis. I would put them up on the trellis. I was going to say because then you don't have to wash them because they're not going to get dirty. But there are other <laughs> there are other and better reasons than that, Bill. Uh, and and I, I think if if you're getting them up on a trellis, uh, you're just getting them away from the ground if it's staying wet. Uh, you're reducing the uh, problems with fungal disease or any rot that you might have with the fruit. Uh, probably a little bit easier to keep any insects and keep an eye. Uh, you know, anything's up there having a bit of a munch on it. So if yeah. you can get them up on a trellis, uh, uh, certainly do that. I saw the other day, uh, something was actually on a website, I, you know, it was a, uh, a gardening website that I saw that where they'd actually got watermelons and rock melons and used 
I guess, old sheets or stockings and tied them up to support the weight of the melon. So, And they had those up on a trellis as well. Probably not necessary to do that with uh, the apple cucumber, um, but if you did need to support it, that's a good idea. You know, an old stocking, it can still breathe. Uh, you yep. just tie it up around the trellis. So, um, yeah, look, yeah. A, a good idea if you can. It will just reduce the, uh, you know, the issues you're going to have with those cucumbers. And we got six cubic metres of garden soil from a commercial provider. Yes. Should I do anything other than just put some uh, mulch on the top? I'll just mulch that at the moment. Uh, it's probably been, you know, fairly heavy with uh, and packed out with manures of some sort. So uh, just uh, mulch that as normal. That would have kept you out of trouble moving six cubic metres of soil, mate. Well, no, I've got a mate with a bobcat, which is a wonderful thing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know... You know, my wife uh, got all this stuff. I'm sure uh, just to just to keep me busy. She, the, her philosophy is uh, that the floggings will continue until morale improves. <laughs> <laughs> good on you. Thanks okay. for your help. Okay, <laughs> good on you, and good luck with it. Uh, I hope then the beatings aren't too severe. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Bye. Cheers, bye. Just some gentle whipping. That's that's all you need to keep going. <laughs> it's Gardening Talk back on 2 and you RFM. If you've got a question, 49216216. And we've got John from Tingara Heights. And he's calling about rust on his gladiotus. Glad, gladioli. Gladioli. Yes, I, I, I believe Dame Edna loved the gladioli. Her right. Favorite, her favourite plant. Well, it seems as though John's got a bit of rust on it. How can we help you, John? Yeah, i got um, I got some lovely gladiolis, but they've just been covered with rust. Okay, mate, have you got any fungicides in the shed? Yeah, well, I've, I've sprayed them with fungicide. I've sprayed them uh, with a bit of copper sulfate. Mm-hmm. I've sprayed them with a, uh, um, a fungicide gun from um, the yep. abroad. And, uh, but my question is now they're um, starting to die off. Yes. Will it will it affect the the bulbs for next year? No, it sh- it shouldn't do that. It'll just remain on the soil. Look, the the only thing it will do though is that it, the bulbs might not be fed quite as well for next year. So uh, you just make sure that your feeding regime's up and up and going. Uh, you know, you can be feeding them at the moment to try and supercharge the bulbs. Uh, yeah, but generally. Look, if you use the copper spray, you might next year try some Mancozeb Plus. Uh, it's a little bit better for rust. So uh, if you go to your garden centre and get some of that uh, and, and spray it around. The other thing you might want to do as well is uh, get some now and, in fact, spray the plants and drench the soil around trying to keep those uh, fungal spores, uh, you know, get, the, get rid of them now so you don't have that problem to the same extent again next year. Yeah, well, I, it's sort of like growing from last year I left them in the ground and all the little corms have um, all started to shoot so I was just wondering would that that make the problem worse by having having them so thick around the um, actual main shoots Oh, so what do you think that the they're uh, sort of not breathing as well as they could you know not not as much airflow around the plants yeah yeah that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, look, that, that of course, airflow around plants, uh, you know, does reduce fungal problems. Uh, so if you can thin them out a little bit once they've, uh, you know, died back, uh, dig those corms up and, uh, uh, you know, just spread them out a little bit when you plant them next year. Yeah, yeah. That's, that, that was the main question. I, I, um, I didn't know if they were any good if the, the uh, rust sort of like killed the yeah, no, look, it won't. It just sort of debilitates it a little bit. Uh, the bulb doesn't, you know, isn't as healthy as it could be. Uh, so, yeah, grab some of that Mancozeb Plus, spray it, 
now regardless and then drench the soil around it just to try and keep those spores under control. Yep, no worries. Thanks very much Okay, for good, good evening, John. Thanks for the call, mate. And we've got Josh from Newcastle, and he's got a question about the fruiting fig tree. Good afternoon, Josh. How can we help you? Yeah, uh, just a second. I'll get you off um, speaker. Uh, so the fruit tree, um, we, uh, on my nature strip, and it's, um, it's, it's quite nice soil. It's all um, loamy. It's at the bottom of the hill, so it gets regular um, you know, runoff from the top. Yes. It's always, it's always moist, doesn't dry out, and it gets a lot of sun from the morning through till about three. And for the last three years, it just hasn't gone anywhere. I actually thought it might have been dead this year, but I've got a few little leaves sprouting from the base, and I've trimmed back like the two little branches uh, back a little bit. Uh, where it failed to um, to leave from, mm-hmm. but yeah, I'm just wondering if it's actually going to grow at any point. So you say it's out on the nature strip, um, yeah, mate. Is there grass growing around the plant? There's plenty of grass growing around it, but like I keep it back from the base and I keep it mulched like around it. Yeah, okay. Um, there's an olive tree I put in at the same time, a couple of metres down, and it's going really well. Okay, because, look, generally figs and olive trees as well, tough as nails, they will, you know, pretty much grow on the side of a rock-type uh, plants. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what fertiliser have you been giving the plant? Um, not uh, not a great deal. Just um, I, I occasionally put you some sea salt, um, uh, you know, Water down in a watering can. I'll just I give it that like uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Once a month. And look, sea salt's a great fertilizer, but it's uh, generally I, I would say good for the root system of the plant rather than its sort of overall and general growth. What you might do is uh, go and get more of a. Uh, an all-round fertilizer, even one of the, you know, like the organic uh, pelletized manures that you can sprinkle around. Uh, yep. There's, and look, you can even get some citrus food as well if you wanted to and give it a feed with that. But I think one of those organic pelletized manures, even some cow manure if you wanted to spread that around. Yeah, and, and I'll compost and stuff around it for sure. Yeah, so I'd, I'd give that more of a chance. Uh, Grass does take away a lot of nutrients, but if it's not up against the trunk of the tree and you've got it back, you know, away from the drip line, uh, then that shouldn't be affecting it too much. Uh, but I just mm-hmm. think some overall fertilising might be the way to go. Uh, you know, maybe a little bit more regularly, uh, depending on the instructions with the, the particular fertiliser you get. Another great thing to do is get an all-round liquid fertiliser as well. Uh, you know, they used to thrive, Aquasol, all of those ones you used to be able to get. Uh, Flourish is one you can get as well. Uh, that, that's specific for, uh, you know, for fruiting trees. Uh, so you mix that up in the watering can. You can use that every couple of weeks if you want. It gives an instant boost to the plant. Uh, so you'd use that in conjunction uh, with some pelletized manure or some extra cow manure uh, just to try and feed the plant and give it a bit of a head start and, you know, sort of supercharge it, uh, some steroids in there and, uh, and get it going and up and running for you. Yeah, okay. Okay. Okay, and make sure regular watering as well, even though it's out there, you know, gets the rain. If the plants suffer, you know, a little bit stressed, make sure it's getting plenty of water. Oh, yeah, at least once a week I'll give it a good hose. Oh, great, yeah. okay. Good luck with it, mate. Let us know how you go. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Bye-bye. cheers. Bye-bye. Well, we've got John now from Tea Gardens, and he's got a question about spraying citrus. Afternoon, John. How can we help? Yes, good afternoon, Scott. I've got uh, 10 or a dozen citrus trees here in Tea Gardens, and I'm looking for some management advice, and I'm just wondering, 
the, the fruit seem to be about the size of a five cent piece at the moment, and I'm wondering what sprays we should use to keep the uh, the bugs and the nasties away. Yeah, I, I think your big, biggest problem, uh, John, uh, uh, sorry, is going to be the uh, fruit fly that's going to come around. So if they're only quite small fruit at the moment and they're still hard, you've, yeah. you've still got a, you know, a few weeks to go before you need to start thinking about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you will need to do that. You need to trap to you know try and keep your fruit fly under control. So set up a, a trap. Uh, you can go and get them from your local garden centre. Uh, you can mix up some malathion and Vegemite in like an old uh, takeaway plastic container with some holes in it to attract the fruit fly in. Uh, you make up a sort of paste and that, that brings them in. Uh, you also just need to do some general spraying as well with a pyrethrum spray to try and keep... Uh, the uh, the fruit fly under control. Look, the other thing you're going to struggle with as well, obviously, is the bronze orange bug. You know the old stink bug. Sure. Uh, they just get onto the new growth when it when it comes, and they suck the sap out of it, and they do an awful lot of damage. Uh, they're also a bit smelly, apparently. Um, oh. That's why they're called the stink bug. Sure. <laughs> like the, the, the skunk of the insect world, apparently. Uh, so you can keep those under control as well with some spraying. Uh, you know, you can try some pyrethrum if you might have to step it up to something a little bit harder if you need to. Uh, you can also get an old vacuum cleaner as well and go out and just sort of suck them in and uh, uh, try and keep them under control that way. But I think once, uh, you know, your fruit starts to get a little bit bigger, it starts to get some colour on it. That's when you really need to be maintaining and keeping control of the fruit fly in the area. Fine, and given the fact that uh, you know this whole area is um, is a sand pit, mm, yes. uh, what, what should, should we have to uh, to do boost it? I mean, we've, we've used um, poultry manure, I think, which is a good start. I'm told on citrus, they seem to like it. It is excellent. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything else that should be? I mean, other than the commercial um, citrus. Uh, superphosphate and stuff like that. Yeah, so I'd, I'd go get some of that pelletised uh, citrus food. I'd keep on using your poultry manure. I'd also heavily mulch as well uh, and just let that break down into the soil and then you can till it in. But it will do a great job of just trying to retain some moisture. Keep in mind, though, the citrus do like to be fairly well drained. So where you've got them in uh, tea gardens, yeah, you're right, it is a, you know, a bit of a sand pit there. So good for growing citrus. But that said... Uh, any nutrients is going to flush through the soil very quickly, so that's why you're using poultry manure. Keep on using that, uh, some of the citrus food, and just generally mulch, and you'll get a really nice, healthy garden with a lot of organic matter in there. Thanks for that. That's appreciated. And yes, uh, citrus does seem to grow terribly well here, which is why many of us are trying to uh, improve it and boost it a bit. Yeah, okay. Well, good luck with it, John. Thanks, thanks a million. Okay. Have a nice afternoon. So we've got Margaret from Katara, and she's got a question about a rose that she's transplanted. And I, Scott, it's been transplanted about oh, a couple of months. Yes. And it's it's lost all its leaves. Will it still survive? It's a beautiful rose. It's firefighter. It was from my partner's garden, who's now passed. We uh, transplanted it. Okay, so now you transplanted it by the sounds of things at the right time. Um, yeah. Because you'd like to do them when they're dormant. Now. It wasn't, it wasn't dormant. Oh, it wasn't completely no, dormant. No, no, okay. it was beautiful. It was in good nick and everything, but it's lost. <laughs> we, uh, have we killed it or what? Well, what I'm going to get you to do is grab some secateurs and go, go to the plant. Don't do that right now because no. we're talking to you. And what you do is you start up the top of the plant and start to snip down and, and 
if it's brown and brown and brown and you keep on going and going and you don't actually, you know, get to any green, yeah. then chances are, yeah, the poor thing might have, uh, you know, gone to its final resting place. Yeah. Um, but if you get down and there is still some green there... Yeah, then just, there is. Yep, just keep on watering it then. No fertiliser. I don't want you stressing the oh, plant right, out yeah. any further. Okay. Uh, just go out there, keep on watering it. Uh, and you'll find you might get some new shoots coming on and then it will just take off. But with a rose, though, if it starts to sort of shoot from below the ground, uh, that means it's just the root stock going for yeah, you and it looks yeah, a bit yeah. you know, spiky and wild. So uh, disregard that. If it gets to that, it's probably time to pull it out. But oh, yeah, yeah. get the secateurs, cut it down, see how you go. Mm. Um, water, no fertiliser, and you still might have some luck. Yeah, so, with the, so where the, the branches are... A brown, yes. just get to go down to there, there. Yes, that's correct, yes, and see how you go. And what about the green the, the green ones, the ones that are still... Well, if you have got some green, uh, you might just give it a gentle prune just to try and yeah. promote some growth. But yeah. generally, I'd say if you've got green branches there, yeah. you know, all but leave them alone. Uh, yeah, just don't uh, don't yeah. go too heavily on those. Just a little light prune to try and uh, boost, uh, you know, and get some uh, new shoots coming on for you. Yeah, but it's the most beautiful rose. The perfume is wonderful, and uh, and the stems on the roses were about two feet long. Oh wow, that that's fantastic. Yeah, uh, but it's a beautiful rose, and it's got the magnificent. Say you've got about three. Uh, flowers in your house, the smell goes right through your house. Yes, and that's exactly the sort of rose you want. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of the old-fashioned ones, uh, you know, had that. Some of the newer ones didn't, but yeah. uh, obviously with Firefighter, they've made sure they've had a nice oh, uh, perfume magic. rose. It's a magic rose. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Okay, Scott, thanks okay. for your help. Thank you. Okay, bye. Have a nice afternoon. Bye. Bye. We've got Courtney now from Western, and they're calling about rust on a plant as well. Oh, it's like rusty nails. It's rust fever. Yeah, it is. Hi, Courtney. How, how, how are you going, Courtney? Good, thank you. Now, um, what plants yeah. have you got rust on? Cordyline. Ah, lines. Yes, they can get rust. Uh, and it sort of, yeah, it's really wrecks up the top of the leaf as well then, doesn't it? Uh, makes it a little yeah. bit ugly. Yeah. Um, so, look, the only thing you can really do with that is to go and get a product from your garden centre called Mancozeb Plus and give it a spray all up and underneath the leaves. Uh, and uh, try and get rid of it that way. You might also give the soil around the plants a bit of a spray uh, mm -hmm. and uh, just try and keep it under control that way. But I, I think with lines they are a bit susceptible, so it's going to be more of a, you know, try and get rid of it, but then you're going to be preventively spraying to keep it under control as well. Yeah. Okay, thank okay, you Okay, so that much. is all right. Not a problem at all. Thank you. Thank you. And we've got Sienna from Walls End on the line. She's got conifers that are looking brown and bare in the centre. Good afternoon. What has been happening with those conifers? Um, oh, hello. Sorry, can you hear me? Yes, we can. <laughs> Sorry. Um, well, they're, they're 20 years old and we planted them sort of just at the front of, on one side of the driveway, sort of a bit of a privacy screen. They're uh, the middle-sized ones. I think they only grow to about... They'll have to only grow to about two metres, but I think they're probably two and a half, three. And um, we've noticed that they're becoming, they're still green on the outside and they look okay, but they're becoming, you, you can sort of see through them, they're sparse, they're not lush, and they're brown on the inside. And I know conifers sometimes are like that, but I thought, is there anything, do we need to spray them or? 
Yeah, look, with, with conifers, it can be a bit difficult as they start to get older. They, uh, I, I guess what really happens to them is they their bark starts to crack and they become more susceptible to disease and pest getting right. into them. And in particular, there's a, a thing called conifer canker that they get, uh, which is a, a type of disease, a, a, I guess a fungal disease, a bacterial disease, that um, is really difficult to treat. You can try and prune it out, but as you know with conifers, you know, they just don't um, reshoot very quickly and their shape yeah. can be damaged. Now, in hand with that, though, is what often happens is if you get into those conifers and have a close look at the bark, you might start yeah. to see, uh, you know, some sap coming out of holes uh, or sawdust coming out uh, in around the trunk and the branch intersection areas. And, yeah. and that means you've probably got borer in there as well. Uh, and, yeah. and that is difficult to treat once it's, uh, you know, right through the tree. You can... Yeah you know, try and inject poison into those holes or drill some new holes and put poison in there. Uh, but again, very difficult to treat once, Nothing, a, yeah. Yeah, once I, a tree's that old. Yeah, I don't think there are holes. It's just starting to look a little bit like sparse and dry on the inside. So it, they are struggling. So fertilising them or Epsom salts or anything like that wouldn't help if it's not a disease. Uh, look, some gentle fertiliser. Chances are, though, if, if a plant is, you know, sort of uh, slightly stressed anyway, uh, it, it's, it's going to be very difficult. Uh, you know, you might stress it more by over-fertilising right. it. A another old, you know, sort of rule of thumb uh, treatment, for if, it was bo if it's borer with them as well, and often the, this is a hand-in-hand, -hand, the canker um, fungal disease and the, uh, the borer, was just to heavily water and drench the area to try and, I guess, run the sap stream faster through the plant and try and drive those insects out. Okay, uh, right. It also reduces the stress of the plant. It's a, you know, it's a happier plant. It's not struggling for water. So that, that could be one way to do it. Okay. Yeah. As far as, you know, trying to get rid of the fungal disease, you could try and spray, but if they're large plants, uh, you know, very difficult to, to try yeah. and, you know, get that whole area and treat it effectively. And what's their lifespan then? If they're healthy, they can go on and on, but if something starts attacking them... Yeah, yes, but I mean, yeah. su surprisingly, you'll see conifers and you think, oh, you know, you, you, you poor bugger, you know, you, you're going to drop off the yeah. sort of the, the perch very, very soon. But they don't, they just keep on going and going and going. going. And, and conifers are very long-lived plants, so yeah. they yeah. obviously can handle, you know, the stress of disease, the canker and the borer in them. Yeah. Uh, so, look, again, one of those things, you, it might just be that you've got a, you know, a little bit of a disfigured and ugly sort of plant. Uh, yeah. you know, for the next few years doesn't mean that it's going to fall over on you. Right. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that's good. Then we'll try the watering, I think, if the um, stem looks healthy. Yeah, and, and try some, you know, gentle pruning. But as you yeah. know, that if you prune a conifer, it just doesn't really come back very well. Yeah. yeah. All right. Thank you so much for your help, Scott. Okay. Appreciate the call, Sienna. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Well, now out of time for another week, Scott Sharp. It's the Newcastle Garden Awards. Yes, is yes, Newcastle's best garden. Best Newcastle best garden. Well, that's sorry. what I'm going. I think that is the name of the award, and why not give them a really good boost as well? Why not? And yeah. so they've got their nominations on the nominations. The finalists. Yes, so the finalists have been announced today. I'm going to take off my glasses so that I can read the small print as you prepare the drum roll of some sort. Yep. Yep.
There we go. <laughs> so in, in the category of, of large gardens, I won't be reading out people's names, just, uh, you know, the the, uh, the street that they're in. So they'll know. Righto. Uh, Rialto Close, Illamore Vale, uh, Chilcot Street out at Mount Hutton and Burwood Road at Cahiva. So they've got the finalists in the large gardens. In the yep. small gardens, we've got Candela Parade at Cahiva, 4th Street at Adamstown and Alexander Street in Hamilton. Right. So, yep. Uh, brick bats to those people as well. <laughs> and uh, small spaces Fern Street, Islington, Summit Street up in North Lambton, Tuckaroo Close. And there's another plant as well oh. in Adamstown. It's a good street name. Yes, it is, isn't Tuckaroo it? Tuckaroo Close. Yeah, nice, nice plant as well. And in the People's Choice, and you can jump online and vote for this, and you know, in the sort of the social media y sort of thing, and yep. Newcastle's Best Garden, uh, Fisherman's Drive, Taralba. Floraville Road, Belmont North, Lloyd Street, Merriweather, Highfield Street, Mayfield. So jump on if you want to give the old people's choice. Right, and what's the website they jump onto? Uh, that is Newcastle's Best Garden. Excellent. So they can, they can vote. They can vote. And that might take you to the Facebook page or something like that. A little bit beyond me, but uh, we, we love a people's <laughs> champion. So get on and vote for that. People's choice, always the best award. Scott yes. Sharp, thank you very much. We'll catch you again next Monday. Talk to you then. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.